Hi, and welcome to Let's Get Clinical. Tips from the CRA Helper. Here is your host, Elizabeth Waddell. Hi, Elizabeth here, and welcome to episode 17, where I'm going to address listener questions. Woohoo! So definitely this will be a different format this time. So rather than hearing me go on and on about one topic, I'll be rambling on about multiple topics. (laughs) All right, so let's get to the questions. Okay, so the first one is regarding how to develop good monitoring visit routine and habits. And I love this question because one of my goals is to teach aspiring and new CRAs laying that foundation before they learn any bad habits. And it's sad to say, just like any job, there are bad habits out there. And I want to teach you how to monitor with quality from the start. Back to the question, though, how to develop good monitoring visit routine and habits. A solid routine and habits is definitely going to develop as you gain experience. But before that happens, though, being prepared and having the right tools are so key. So in episode 15, I gave an overview of monitoring tools that really helped me personally. And I do want to touch on, I don't want you to panic. So if you're new to monitoring or you're an aspiring CRA, I don't want you to panic and think that you're given, oh, here's your protocol. Here's your investigator brochure. Here's your clinical monitoring plan. Read it. And there you go. So (laughs) that's not going to happen. You're not going to get thrown out there. You are going to receive such detailed training. And typically that includes therapeutic training, of course, protocol training, very detailed training. And also I love the SIV slides because not only does it include the detailed training regarding the protocol and inclusion exclusion criteria, all the study procedures, the safety reporting for the study, but it also includes details regarding the study drug, the storage requirements, all the site responsibilities, and also all those intricacies of the study involving the vendors used, the central lab, the central ECG. So whatever vendors are used in the study and even the different study systems, it's all right there in the slides and it's, it's great. It's very informative. If you ever need to look back, in addition to your notes on your training, the SIV slides are very informative very helpful. So again, what worked for me was everything in one place. Because remember, there's so many different places that you can get required information, so many avenues of information. Like again, the protocol, the CMP, all your notes from training and report templates. Remember the annotated report that I also went over in that episode. Even email communications from your study team will have so many reminders that'll be helpful. And all these things together make that detailed checklist of everything that you want to assess, everything that you need to include in that visit that you need to document, that you need to analyze, that you need to assess, even little reminders that you can remind yourself of things to check for and not to forget all that. Put that all on your checklist. It's your personal checklist. And once you make it for that particular visit type, then you can use that same checklist for every other visit that you do for that study. So if I've been asked to do a PSV on a study that I'm just assigned to, so I'll make my detailed checklist with all the different information that I have at my fingertips. And once I go out on every subsequent PSV for that study, I'll already have it saved. I will already have this detailed checklist made. So I'll print it out, take it with me, to the subsequent PSV visit. So it's a lot of work on the front end, but it definitely will be worth it. And the same thing with the monitoring worksheets for the routine monitoring visits, taking that time, developing these and noting those little reminders of things not to forget to check for. This is a lot of work again on the front end, but it'll be worth it. It'll keep you organized. You will do detailed, thorough reviews using these tools. So this is definitely good habits and good routine for you as a monitor. And as you gain experience, some of these things are gonna seem like second 
nature to you. So again, it might be a lot of detailed checklists that maybe you won't need as detailed if you're a seasoned CRA. But for me personally, even when I'm new to a study as a senior CRA, I I would make detailed checklists just because I didn't want anything to fall through the cracks. Everyone's different. But again, as you gain experience, some of these things are second nature that you know you need to check for. Like I know if I see equipment for a study, I always know that I need to check the calibration documentation. And again, it'll be second nature. But until you know that, put those reminders on your checklist, not only to check the equipment for the study, don't forget, check the calibration documentation. And regarding good habits, follow directions, read entire emails, and don't take shortcuts. You will not believe how some will just skim through directions, skim through emails, and you can definitely tell when someone replies to your email with only half a response, and then you have to go back and forth a couple more rounds, actually, until you get the information that you need. Even if an email is long, there will be a lot of good nuggets of information provided, and the person writing it didn't write it for fun. They wrote it for a reason, so read every bit of it lots of good nuggets of information, and it may include new updates for the study that you're going to need to know. So please read it all. And again, no shortcuts. And when people take shortcuts, half the time they're creating more work for them in the future to fix something. And again, we don't want to rush. And I I have come behind some CRAs, senior CRAs, mind you, that maybe I'm coming behind them and I'm closing some queries and I'll see something was checked as source document verified in the EDC system and I'm looking down at the questionnaire in the source and it's blank. So how is that SDV as being reviewed when it's blank? There's no source. And I was like, really? So quality is so important. And remember, we have to always think of subject safety and data integrity. Good habits are going to develop from learning things right the first time. And as you gain experience, again, this is going to become second nature. Okay, so the next question is regarding tools that I use every day to keep organized and also in respect to meeting deadlines. And I love this one too, because time management is a big struggle for new and seasoned CRAs. Episode two was regarding time management, and I reviewed different deliverables that a CRA is responsible for, as well as some tips to manage these tasks. And in order to keep organized for me personally, calendars a must. They're so important because not only would I schedule my visits based on the intervals that were specified in the clinical monitoring plan, I also would try to keep in mind, okay, am I going to have office time to meet certain deliverables that are due? And I would keep that in the back of my mind as I'm scheduling my different visits. And then also in order for things not to slip through the cracks, I would set reminders in Outlook and on my phone, both places, because I just wanted to make sure I did not miss meeting a deadline because it is so easy to get sidetracked with another issue or another deliverable. One email comes up, boy, and you could get sidetracked with a whole nother issue. So definitely setting those reminders to kind of get you back on track to make sure you get the certain deliverables in on time and then you can go back to that issue. Also, just like with visits, checklists are a great tool for keeping track of all deliverables pre and post visits. So I do review in detail pre and post visit tasks in my upcoming course, but some of the follow up tasks include trip report completion, follow up letter completion, once it's final, sending the follow up letter to the site expense report completion, and so much more. But as you gain experience, these things are going to become second nature for you as well. But And you will definitely get into your groove regarding what methods work best for you. So again, it'll become second nature as you gain your experience. But until then, again, pre and post visit checklists and reminders. Reminders, reminders are so important. Okay, 
The next question is regarding how to calculate study drug compliance. And this is so fun for me because I love math. So now I'm sharing with you my nerdy side, (laughs) but I'll try to explain this as best as possible and as easy as possible since you can't see me or any slides. The basic formula for calculating compliance is dividing the actual number of drug, the actual amount of drug that the subject had taken, dividing by the number that they should have taken. And a way that I remember this is A comes before S, actual number taken should be on top, and then on the bottom is should have taken. And then once you get the result, the actual number taken by the subject divided by what they should have taken, once you get the result, you're going to multiply that by 100, and that will give you the percent compliance. Now, getting the number for the actual amount taken is pretty easy because you're going to count what was returned by the subject, and then you subtract that from what was dispensed to the subject. So in this example, I'm using pills that were dispensed in a bottle. So for example, if 60 pills were dispensed and they returned 20, then the actual amount taken would be 40. Now, the should have taken can be tricky, and this will all be determined by what's specified in the protocol and the subject dosing schedule. And you will need to know little intricacies and details regarding when that first dose is to be taken, when that last dose is to be taken. Because if you don't know this information of when they should start their first dose or when the last dose should be taken, that can throw your calculation off of what the should have taken equals. So for example, you need to know, okay, so when a subject is to spend study drug, do they start taking that first dose at the study visit? Do they do it in clinic? Or do they take the first dose that night? When they come to the next study visit, do they take their last dose that morning? Or do they take the last dose the night prior? So you need to know this information in order to calculate the amount they should have taken. And of course, you'll also need to know, do they take one pill a day? Do they take one pill twice a day? Do they take two pills twice a day? You definitely will have to know the dose and that goes into the calculation as well. So once you determine the actual amount of drug that the subject had taken, you're going to divide that but what they should have taken. You'll multiply that by 100 and you will get the percent compliance. And your protocol is also going to be very specific on what to do if the subject is above or below compliance as well. And I'll be reviewing lots of detail regarding this in my next course. But to answer the question, this is how I calculate subject compliance. Again, just plugging the numbers in the formula of the actual amount the subject took, divide that by what they should have taken, and you multiply it by 100. And that's how you'll get the percent compliance. You'll probably dream of the formula tonight because you've heard it so much. (laughs) And the last question is regarding tips to getting your start as a CRA. And this question is actually what I get asked the most. Believe me, I know it can be difficult knowing where to begin your search and I want to help. And if you've not checked it out yet on my website, there is a freebie. It's a free resource for you. It lists entry-level companies and it'll include the company, the role, the degree required, the previous experience required, and a clickable company link will take you right to that company's website. It's all in one place, whatever can make it easier for you. Now, you'll see that most companies do require some sort of research experience. For example, it could be as a study coordinator, a research assistant, a project specialist, or a clinical trial associate, an in-house CRA. And the average research experience required, I've noticed, is about two years. There are also some companies that have their own training programs, and one of them does not require research experience. There just has to be an opening, and it is competitive to get into, but you never know. You have to try, right? 
And there's another company that bridges, that has a program that bridges the study coordinator and clinical research nurse experience. It bridges that with their exceptional CRA training program. Absolutely awesome. Each company though is different. So check it out and see how it applies to you. I personally started as an in-house CRA and then after a year, I moved over to the clinical side and then I started monitoring on site and the rest is history. And then in addition to research experience, you may notice that a common theme is a knowledge of the clinical trial process, ICHGCP regulations, and time management skills. And believe me, I can help you there too. If you thought I ramble with my podcast episodes, wait until you hear the details in my upcoming course. And that's going to be rambling in addition to slides. (laughs) If you do have additional questions or topic requests, send me a DM. On Facebook and Instagram, I'm at the CRA Helper. And you'll also notice on my website at the bottom of that homepage that I offer coaching calls and the first 15 minute call is free. So these can be scheduled just by clicking on that link and it'll give you access to the dates and the times that I'm available. It's just that easy to schedule your first coaching call. And I do want you to know that I'm here for you. But I hope that these answers today were helpful. If you like what you hear, hit subscribe. I pray you guys are safe out there. Thank you again to everyone out there on the front lines. You are heroes and a true blessing. Thank you so much. Again, everyone, please stay safe. And I look forward to our time together next week. Until next time.